Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is Red Sox Review, and it starts right now. Here's your host, Cooper Boardman, on WEEI. Oh, and one to Urias. He hits a soft ground ball on the third base side. The pitcher, Leclerc, bare hands, throws to first. Nicely done, and the ball game is over. Well, the Rangers come back and avoid another bullpen meltdown. They win this game 6-4 to four on a night that Tanner Houck was only able to give the Red Sox four innings. And so it went tonight in Texas. Sox lose 6-4. to four. The series is even. They'll finish it out tomorrow before heading home to Fenway Park Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the White Sox. As we welcome you to an Unread Sox review tonight, Cooper Boardman with you, Taz. Inside the glass, 617-7797-937, 617-7797-937. Text line popping as well at 3793. And, uh, you know, uh, we can we can go into, like, what happened in the game and, and, and do all that, but I'm not really sure at this point it matters all that much. And, and I'll just tell you kind of what was was most stuck in my mind as I sat there and watched the nine innings tonight. And it really was uh, stuck in my mind in the fifth inning. And it was when Tanner Houck went out there in the fifth and walked off the mound in the fifth without recording it out. He was pretty solid over four innings of work, gave up the one home run to Adolis Garcia on an outstanding swing with a fastball on the outside quarter. And Garcia, who's got biceps the size of me uh, as a top-to-bottom person, took it out to right center. You know, that's going to happen on a good pitch. But it, what we saw tonight from Tanner Houck uh, was what we've seen for a lot of the year. And I recognize that he came into the night having given the Red Sox, you know, five innings at least over the last three starts. But it is just this inability to not only provide length, but just have success over the course of time, second time through the order, third time through the order, right? It's been talked about so much about his struggles as he gets later into ball games, as they try to figure out if he can be a, a genuinely good starter at the major league level. And, uh, you know, to me, tonight is not the whole story. Tonight is a microcosm of what the story is, where he goes out there in the fifth inning, First couple of guys get on. He gives up the RBI single to Marcus Simeon. And if not for a, um, a Herculean effort by Brennan Bernardino, 
you're talking about a game that probably at that point already would have been out of hand or at least would have been a score that probably the Red Sox would not have surmounted to that point. And to me, it is this, and and this is a continuation if you're with us last night. If you weren't, we'll get you up to speed. But this is a conversation Taz and I were talking about last night, which is, you know, the Red Sox are, what happens now? Like, what's the future of this rotation, right? There's really no question about, you know, this rotation. It it needs to change in a big way, right? The the Chris Sale, the James Paxton, uh, the Corey Kluber situation, did not work, right? That the, the, There was not enough uh, consistent reliability on those guys. Brian Bayo has blossomed into something. And then you're left with these other two guys. You're left with Cutter Crawford and Tanner Houck. And I am of the opinion, let, let's just, before we kind of get into the underlying stuff here, I am of the opinion that between this year and next year, one of those guys has to be a major league starter. You agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. Even even in a, if it's in a swingman role, they will get starts. Yeah, I would say maybe both of them. Interesting. Still, yeah. Which right because you know it's it, what's interesting about this conversation, and and I I'd like to compare and contrast Crawford and Hauk if you're you know if you end up kind of deciding between the two, but like you know, so you're gonna have sale right, whatever you get from it, but you're not going to look at him and say this is a guy I rely on necessarily, right? Hard like, to hard to. Bayo's going to be your, you know, frontline guy, one or two, you know, somewhere in there, you know, one, two, three. But no matter where he ends up, every five days you feel good about it. You've got two spots to figure out based on that, maybe three, maybe four, depending on where you want to draw that line. And so it's hard to go out and get four starters. It's a really hard thing to do. And you look around baseball like, you, you know, the, the Red Sox are not in a position where, like, you know, you look down at double and triple A and you say, oh, We've got three guys that are, you know, that are on their way. If they were on their way, they'd be here in September based on where Agreed. the Red Sox are. So, you know, uh, they're going to have to go pay. But to me, what that means is you have to know that one of these guys is going to be a starter next year. Like full-time starter, 162 every five days. I feel good about Cutter. I feel yeah. like he's he's earned it. You know, he's had some really good starts. He's had some big strikeout performance. I mean, you know me. I'm a strikeout guy. I'm always bringing up the strikeout pitch. And in today's era with the, you know, uh, launch angle and the hacks that guys take, you, you have to take advantage of that. Uh, but we also talked about yesterday being able to find outs with the sinker ball. That's something that Bayo is obviously really good at doing. But you, you hear Rob Refschneider in the postgame last night. He's like, we love playing uh, behind Cutter. He works his tail off. And he's had some gritty starts. So worst case scenario, if Cutter's your fifth, I feel pretty good about that. I think, you know, and as you kind of get into, like, where this all stands right here, right now, is this. You know, the story of tonight is Tanner out gets in the fifth inning and he just doesn't really have it. And, and like, I go through what is different to me about these two guys when you look at a starter's trajectory. And I here's the weird thing. Like, if, if the two guys walked into the room, you'd be like, oh, the, the Tanner Houck, he's the starter. Like, the way he looks, his physical build, you know, you, you watch a bullpen, you say, wow, I'd rather that guy throw more pitches. You know, when you kind of look at the, the nastiness of his stuff and the quality of the slider and yeah, all this, it's right? It's crazy. And, and the swings and misses he gets on it are amazing. Opponents at 175 against that slider. It's all great. But, you know, Cutter Crawford, what, what he showed last night is a couple of things. First thing is, is... He's got a, four, a fastball, four-seam fastball that's unbelievable. I mean, he's got a fastball, and to me, 
when you kind of look at the anatomy of how a starting pitcher has success, you know, and, and this is traditional, but it also is true. Four seamer fastball in the zone, first time through. Can you get guys out? Yes. 176 against, no question about it to me. The answer is yes over the course of this season. Okay, second time through, some fastballs, some up, some down. Alex Core talked about it last night, his ability to mix and match when the command is there. You've got the quality of stuff with the fastball. Now you're mixing in stuff. And you look at the run values, what, what guys have done against his splitter, against his sweeper, against his regular slider. Like, there, there are four pitches right there. One of them that you can throw to left-hand hitters. Two of them that you can throw to right-hand hitters that have had big league success. Like, I don't have to wonder, does this project or anything? Like, right. we're, we're at a point now where I know. Hauk on the other side. Opponents hit four or hit three thirty three against his four seam fastball. They slugged four seventy nine against his sinker. So right off the bat, that first time through, we're talking about fastballs that get hit hard. That's before we get into everything else. Obviously, the slider is amazing. The splitter gets hit. It's not that pitch. Well, it is nice that he has it. Has not been a, a big league starter caliber pitch. And I, I think. You know, when you just go into it that way and you're talking about how these guys project out, I just, I, I cannot come to the, the Hauk side of this. I just, I just cannot get there. Yeah, like, I mean, and also, who do you envision being more effective as a one-inning reliever? I would think Hauk and just make him throw his best pitch nonstop and more of it. But when you're a starter, you, you got to be able to mix the repertoire. And Cutter just kind of has it, even though, like you said, he might not be as... Uh, fancy when you watch if you were to watch a bullpen compared between the two but you watch a cutter start he's here to grind he's really intense he can mix up his pitches he even said something yesterday yesterday that the day before his start he worked on something mechanically and it came to fruition in yesterday's start and I, I think you know when he was coming up through the system there was a lot of belief like oh like this guy can really be a starter with the depth of you know with the number of pitches that he commands and commands with success and, and, you know, I think, you know, I'm kind of at a point now where, like, I don't have that many more questions. Yeah. You know, we, I you know think, what you're getting from Right. Me. Like, we looked at this year and it was like, okay, you know, these guys are going to be swingmen, rotation guys, whatever it is. How started in the rotation, right? Crawford's been back and forth. He's in AAA for a microsecond, all this. But, you know, like, we, we looked at this year as, okay, like, what, what do these guys have? You know, what are they at a big league level? A- and I, I don't, I don't think i need another year of it like i don't i i don't think another year i just don't see it being a a bigger like a huge jump for tanner hauk next year at this point just at this point and, and he's just not the the thing to me too is and i know you know tanner's had like these flashes right like he's had six innings of one run ball a couple of times this year but he has not had like a three start stretch where he just just is better than you like that's just that's not happened all year long. He's had you know a couple here, a couple there, but there's just not a lot of consistency to me. Connor Crawford has had that. He's had his bad months. He's had months where you know it could be a little you know where it, it, he looks like a guy trying to figure out how to be a starter. But he's also you know had a situation. I think it was May. I'll double check this you know on the fly here. But I, I you know after an April where he was like a little bit up and down, he comes out. I mean his May ERA is two point eight four out of the bullpen. And then carries it in as they stretch him out, stretch him out. Five innings of scoreless ball. Uh, you know, five and two-thirds of two-run ball. Six innings scoreless. Like, that's every other outing for the course of a, you know, a two-month stretch. That, to me, is 
and I think Cutter Crawford could be a, is a good reliever. Like I think if you put him in the bullpen and had him be a long guy tomorrow, that'd be one thing. But I, I think that Red Sox fan, because of the amount of money that they're going to have to go out and spend on starting pitching or just get the number of arms, somebody that isn't Brian Bayo that is in house right now is going to have to be a starting pitcher. I, I just I don't see a, a way around that. I don't know. Do you think they could? I just I mean, what, sign Snell? Is Snell a free agent? Yeah. That sounds familiar. Sign Snell, and and he's kind of every other year. It's kind of hard to peg, but I I could picture him in a Sox jersey. Sign Snell and get creative with a trade for another starter. If you can get a one-two punch and let your 3-4-5 be Bayo, Sale, Cutter, I feel pretty decent about it. I think so, too, and I I think it it is – his development is very quietly one of the most uh, one of the most imp- one of those two guys, and I'm I, and we're sticking with Crawford here. I think in this conversation, I think that de- the, the development of those two guys is is very quietly one of the the most important questions for next year in terms of what you get from them. Because if you look around, I mean, go, go back to the off season, right, and like look around at what teams did. You know, the 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 Cubs got two starters, right? They got Smiley and they got Jamison Tyone. They paid big money for Tyone. The, the Tigers went out and got two pitchers. They got Michael Lorenzo, who turned out to be an all-star, and Matthew Boyd, who did not turn out to be an all-star. Uh, you know, but then, then you kind of, you know, Toronto had their guys, right? Like, they had, they had three guys that they had already believed in, and they also lost Alec Manoa after, after the offseason. They that went was out. crazy. Right, they, but they, they go out and, and spend on Chris Bassett. You know, it's like, that's it. But then, to me, here's the thing. And I feel like people are talking, and by the way, Red Sox Review, 617-779-7937, 617-779-7937. Like, people are talking as though the Red Sox are going to go out and spend, you know, and go get three, four starters. The only team that went out and got four starters between last year and this year are the Texas Rangers, the team that you saw on the other side. And they went and got DeGrom. They went and got, uh, you know, old friend Nathan Evaldi we saw tonight, who, who was kind of in and out. They got Andrew Heaney, who was in relief tonight for them. That's where they're at from a bullpen perspective. And Martin Perez. And they spent $264 million to do it. Wow. Well, and most of it going to DeGrom. And then they uh, you know, ship out some prospects to bring in the new set batch of reinforcements at the trade deadline. Right. And they're still kind of having an inconsistencies with starting rotation. So that is kind of the dark side of going all in on pitching and having it backfire like that. But with Degrom, you kind of got to know what you're getting into. And they spent all that money, and they they had a lineup that was that was ready to roll. But I think the Red Sox have a lot more lineup questions than they do. And so if you're going to go out and spend all that money on on four starters, you leave yourself in a situation. You know, people want to say spend, spend, spend. Even if they do that, there still won't be a situation where you would be able to go and pay for a reliever or go and pay for a hitter on top of that. I mean, you know, the Mets did the same thing: Verlander, Sanga, Quintana, 188 million. Like, that's your money. That's what you spend. That's it. And then you go into next year. And I think the Red Sox are in a situation where you would, if they're going to go and spend the money, and it seems like, right, everybody in Boston feels that way. Everybody near the Red Sox feels that way based on what's happened over the last couple of weeks. If that's the case, I still believe that one or two of the answers outside of Brian Bayo in the rotation have to come in-house. I know that's scary, but I think it's true. Yeah, I mean, and like we just said, with the Rangers, they went out and got all these names. But look, here we are in September when the dust has settled, and it's not a lot of those names. So yeah, the more in-house pitching you can have, the better. And I mean, that's the one good thing about the Sox, the versatility that some of these back-end rotation guys slash swingmen roll. They have a good amount of those guys. 
they can just keep a handful of them and then mix in some good moves to to help the starters and you know soaking up innings is like almost as important as effective innings. I have a question for you. The uh, based on what you just said, so the uh, Red Sox came in with a uh, after tonight, and I, it might be a little bit di- different after the ninth inning tonight, but just these are relatively correct numbers. They're starting pitching. I mean, if if you ask anybody in the world, what, what was the Red Sox' biggest issue this year? Starting pitching, right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't yeah, see it. Yeah, and defense. Way. Right, yeah. One <laughs> A and one uh, B. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Red Sox starting rotation ERA is a 4 2 eight, six worst, uh, sixth worst, that is, uh, in the American League, right? And the teams behind them are awful. Angels, White Sox, Rangers, uh, we know uh, their issues. Uh, Royals and Athletics. I should say, their starting rotation ERA is is a four seven four is fourth worst in base in the American League. Got all that? I said yes. a lot of words. Four yes. seven four starting pitching uh, ERA. It was terrible. Their bullpen's a four two eight, and it's sixth worst. That was what I was gonna say mm. there. A- and like I, I the, that this, mostly comes from the depth guys who just had rough innings, rather yeah. than you know we know what Chris Martin, Kenley Jansen are bringing like pretty much every time they get the ball. I think there there are a couple of ways to look at this. One is. There's been such a strain on the bullpen because of the lack of, of length from the starting rotation. And I think that's true. I, I completely agree with that. Complimentary baseball. Right. Amen. Right. And, and when you were when you were so many nights having to do, you know, having to go to your bullpen in the fourth and fifth and sixth innings before you're ready to or all three of those innings, really in tonight, fifth, sixth, before you bridge to the back end, obviously your bullpen ERA is going to suffer. But I also think that like I, and people we, we've talked so much about the bullpen being so much better than last year, and it is, but that's not like I'm, that's not the bar that I'm necessarily looking for. They made big strides. You're absolutely right about Martin, obviously about Jansen. Uh, Winkowski's been phenomenal, but you're talking about uh, Jansen, who's like, like a 3-6 ERA. I'm just talking results here, not the underlying stuff. 3-6. Uh, Schreiber's in a similar boat right around 3-6. You've got Martin at a 1-0-something ERA, and Bernardino's been very nice. Mm-hmm. But then think about everybody else that has to add you, and Winkowski's in the twos, I should say. And then think about every other guy that's got to take you from all of those ERAs that I just talked about to the four to to the four threes. Mm. I mean, that's a lot of guys. And I know that there's not starting rotation help, and I know that there's there's you know there's more there that like th- those innings have to be covered and all of that. But to me. Those guys, like, you still don't win if those guys aren't, aren't producing. And it just doesn't seem to me that beyond that top four, top five, there's a lot there. Right. I mean, we've talked about it. It's, it's even those games that are almost already decided that at least if you can have guys you know can soak up this the rest of this game so they can have a fresh bullpen going tomorrow, you know, each day impacts the next. It's based, Everything really goes hand in hand. It's so complimentary all over the place. And there were just so many times in this season, especially after the trade deadline, where one day truly affected the next, and that's what got him. And I and I know that you know tonight, and, and you know at this point, not that the Red Sox are mathematically eliminated, but you know we're 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 playing every day, just play every day in some ways, uh, barring a miracle. And, and but you know I thought tonight illustrated it right, like you've you know Mauricio Jovera, who has put in nice work at points, but that's a waiver claim. You know, he, he goes out there, he, he can't really throw strikes. 
uh, you know, you're talking about Chris Murphy, who I, I really like Chris Murphy. Like, I think his arm is good. I, I think in a one-inning situation, he could really be special because the quality of his breaking stuff and then the fastball plays up and he's really good up in the zone with it. But, you know, there's been a lot of, there was a lot of reliance down the stretch on him and a guy like Brandon Walter and, and, and you know, guys that were starters at AAA that never really relieved and got their opportunity at the big league level to do that. And, you know, Murphy comes out tonight, just doesn't have command. He's charged with those two runs, the two runs that are the difference in the game. And I I really do think, and obviously, outside of the defense, as you said, obviously starting pitching is the number one, triple one, a bright lights, Times Square thing. Like, we got to go fix that. I get it. But... I I, I I continue. You want to some say, more depth in the pen. I I think you need it, and I just don't think you can win that. Like it's impossible to win without having you know uh, not only the guys that are in your bullpen, you know that are uh, you know of your thirteen pitchers, right? Like eleven, twelve, and thirteen. But like I'm talking fourteen, fifteen, sixteen at the at the AAA level that can come up and make an impact, or going out and having waiver claims that you know you can kind of science into being good, and. You know, when you talk about the High and Bloom era, I think, you know, and there are a lot of things here, right? Like from Mookie to now and all that. But I, I do think that very quietly based on what the Rays do well versus what the Red Sox did not do well over the last four or five years, I, I really do think that is one of the more damning pieces of evidence. Yeah, and I, I, I almost would have figured that would have been the calling card based Absolutely. on how things are done in Tampa. I mean, they can really pull off smoke and mirrors when it comes they they constantly lose pitchers and then they constantly find ways to replace them and yes sometimes it's with the ryan thompson type of funky sidearm stuff like they have all specialists who are either sidearm specialists slider specialists fastball guys you know just i i think they were one of the more teams who popularized making a pitcher throw their most effective pitch like all the time and it's not to say the Red Sox haven't had some success stories. John Schreiber is an outstanding yeah. success story. Brandon Bernardino, waiver claim for the Mariners, outstanding success story. You know, they, they've had little ones like that, and there are a couple of other stories like that. But I'm not talking about three or four stories. I'm talking about, like, you need ten stories. Yeah. Truly. And, and it's like, you look at, in the American League, at the at the teams, this is bullpen ERA. This is just results, not not underlying stuff, not anything. This is, this is AL... Uh, bullpen ERA in order. One of these things is not like the other. Number one, the Yankees. That's the one. Then here it is. Mariners in order. Mariners, Orioles, Blue Jays, Rays, Astros, Guardians, Twins. So you're talking about after the Yankees, and that's the only thing they did well this year, six out of seven teams are playoff teams or at least within half a game of a playoff spot. And that's the American League playoffs. That's the whole thing outside of the Rangers, and we've talked about that. They lost last night. They might not get in because of their bullpen. Because of that. And if they do get in, you know, it, it won't be long before that part of it gets exposed, I would assume. Should They're not the first getting thing my to get money. Exposed. No. no shot. And I will say that's the one thing Brian Cashman does pretty well is find relievers under rocks. Absolutely. No matter what's going on in the Bronx, he finds relievers under yeah, rocks. Yeah, it was the only thing they did well all, all year long. Yeah. And and I, you just would have thought, to your exact point, you just would have thought the Red Sox would have been a little bit better at it. And and it just you know hasn't hasn't been that way and and you know again I'm not I, I, it's not really about tonight it's just tonight's an example of it but I think you know you can go out and spend and spend and spend and and that's all wonderful and you have to go fix the starting rotation that is a fact of life around here at this point 
But if you look Mets at Mets are a great example that's like before. Exactly what I was about Ed, to say. Edwin Diaz goes down before the season, you knew that was a horrible omen for obvious reasons, but then Justin how the ripple effects happened from something like that and they lost so many games that were close in the late innings. Exactly. What did I say? 188 mil on starting pitching. Great. They got to come out and, and they had no answers, they had no depth in, in in the farm system, you know, outside of a couple of guys that could go and pitch. And and it hurt them and Texas is the same deal where they spent all this money on starting pitching and again, the Red Sox have to go do it, but it was the case. Got me fired up about pitching tonight, Taz. Oh, I can talk bullpen and rotation back end rotation all day. Wish Red Sox review with the 2 a.m. Yeah. Well, you know what? Good news. We'll get the off day. Don't yeah. think about baseball for 24 hours. Get the football on. You know, got Thursday night, tomorrow night. Was that Giants, right? My New York football Giants. Your New York hate, football Hate to Giants. admit it in this market, but I'm a AFC squad is That's the okay. pass, and for I, good reason. I feel good about it. I don't think either of those teams are going to end up having to worry about each other. Well, yeah. <laughs> they used to. It's been a while since Yeah. Then. Giants-Niners. Enjoy that. We're back with you Friday night after uh, Sox and White Sox. Uh, until then, enjoy it. By the way, you heard the highlight off the top brought to you by Nissan. At Nissan, we make cars a thrill experience. Thrill for yourself today. Shop NissanUSA.com. That is it for tonight. For Taz here, Cooper Boardman saying so long on a Tuesday night. It's been Red Sox Review on WEEI. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.